You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. This episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, you will get 15% off your next order. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you can find me, Brian Peacock, my co-host, Matt Williamson. You can also tag us with your questions for tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday episode. Should be fun. Today, we're getting into Matt Williamson's top 25 interior offensive linemen in the NFL for the 2021 season. You go back last week and hear about running backs wide receivers, tight end positions, the top 25 going into the season. Today, we're getting into the interior of the offensive line. But Matt, before we get into the interior offensive lineman, something interesting just happened before we went on the air. And I'm not going to do what Shannon Sharp just did to Julio Jones and throw in their audio live on the air without asking first. That was crazy. So on the, the Undisputed program, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. He calls up Julio on his cell phone and asks him if he's going to get traded where he wants to go. And Julio's like, yeah, man, I'm out of here. But I don't, it didn't sound like <laughs> Julio thought. He thought it was a private conversation, I think. And it went out live on the air. And he said, I'm out of here. I want to go somewhere where I can win. Uh, and, and they specifically asked him about the Cowboys. He didn't say anything about the Cowboys. Your thoughts on that, Matt Williamson? Yeah, I, I'm just pulling up the headline now. I, I didn't hear the clip or anything like that. But um, interesting to me because uh, I, I guess it's been a foregone conclusion for a while. I, I mean, to be very honest, we've talked about it a fair amount, but it looks like it's heating up. Uh, we've talked about some of the teams that, that would be interested. You could go check that out on Friday or we could even recap them. Another team that I think that is just very it's a very Raiders like move too. We have not mentioned the Raiders in that mix. I could see Gruden salivating right now thinking I can get Julio Jones. Oh, do you think, so here's the, this is what I'm struggling with. Which teams have enough cap space to bring in Julio Jones, $15 million per year this year, have the need to spend that money plus draft picks on Julio Jones. I'm sure a lot of teams would like to have Julio Jones, no matter what their wide receiver group looks like, but it has to make sense. So, and what team is ready to compete for a Super Bowl legitimately be a winner, a winner this year? Because Julio doesn't have a no trade clause, I don't think, but he could make this very difficult. So he essentially has to agree pretty much to whatever team he's going to or else, you know, and he's held out before. And so that's another wrinkle in all of this is, you know, what happens next year? If he's 15 million this year, 11 million the next two years, what if he goes, what if he has a great season and whatever team he goes to does win a Super Bowl? Is he holding out because he's only making 11 million compared to what the top level wide receivers in the NFL are getting next year? And he's 32 years old. Calvin Johnson was retiring by now. Randy Moss's career was pretty much over at this point. He missed half of his games last year. Does it have to be a conditional draft pick because you're worried about his uh, eternal foot issues and lower body injuries that have that have really hampered him for uh, the, the second half of his career? So there's a lot of questions. And so the fit, I think, comes down to so few teams for Julio Jones. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, we know the teams can restructure, and he's the type of guy maybe they would. Green Bay comes to mind with that. But, you know, if it's a foregone conclusion that he's getting traded, we know that's not good for business from the Falcons' perspective. 
But I also think there's two things working in their favor to maximize what they get in, in return is I think there's going to be more than one team in it. So there's going to be teams competing, trying to up the ante to get them. And you kind of mentioned it. Adding Julio isn't that crippling to your cap for the next three years. I mean, might he restructure? Might his foot explode and he never plays again? I mean, all those things could happen, but that's not much different than any other player. Um, so... Any team yeah. could cut him too, by the way. So the the Good salary point. cap stuff has already been, you know, the the Atlanta Falcons are taking that hit. Stuff. So you pay him fifteen million this year, it doesn't work out. You could cut that eleven million dollars salary and, and be giving him nothing next year if you wanted to. I guess I hadn't thought of that, but that's very cap friendly too. Is boy, he's falling off a cliff. He looks like Andre Johnson at the end of his career with the Colts or something, and we're just going to move on. And that certainly could happen. Which brings me to the Colts. I think the two teams that fit your criteria, which I agree with, cap space, uh, the need, contenders, would be Indianapolis and New England. Indy, New England are, I think, a couple of the teams that absolutely make sense. 49ers would be in that group, I think, because they do have a roster that's ready to win. I think they could mm-hmm. absolutely use Julio Jones. Obviously, the, the Kyle Shanahan connection, they have the cap space, according to overthecap.com. They're right around that level where they could fit him in. I think there's a couple other teams that I know uh, DeAndre Hopkins said he would restructure his deal. I think the Cardinals could sneak in there. Do they need to add Julio to that group? I, I wouldn't think so. The Cowboys need... I mean, if he was an edge rusher, then maybe the Cowboys or a corner or whatever. I don't know, you know, like it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Cowboys, I think, to add another wide receiver, obviously. Um, I think Tennessee makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So there's like maybe a handful of teams, four or five, if you squint really hard, that makes some sense for for Julio Jones. And if I got to believe one of those teams is going to be willing to do something if it sounds like, and more and more every day, there's just more and more reports. Now he believes he's out. He might want out and Atlanta Falcons might be not only just listening to offers, but straight up shopping him. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to mention though, is assuming he's gone, what does that mean for the Falcons now? And I mentioned on Friday, I had a couple dynasty rookie drafts over the weekend Kyle Pitts, to me, is my number two rookie. I have him ahead of Jamar Chase, and Atlanta hasn't come out and said this, but I really think that Pitts is going to be closer to Julio than he is to Hayden Hurst in role. So you said you have Chase three. Does that mean Najee Harris is one? Yeah. I mean, running backs are always so scarce in such a bad running back class. I mean, so Harris is my rookie number one. Pitts is two. And Chase is three. And I was torn between two and three for a while. You know, rarely do you have a tight end at the top of your rookie ranks. But I think Pitts is going to play the Julio role more than people think. I mean, just because there's a TE next to his name doesn't mean they can't ask him to do pretty darn close to what Julio did. So I pulled up overthecap.com. I'm looking at cap space here. The Titans, they're they're up against it. So Packers and Titans, even though roster-wise they would make sense, I don't know what they would do restructure-wise. I think we've talked about the Packers thing. It would have to be like a new deal with Rodgers. You trade... Uh, you trade love maybe. And so maybe a Packers thing could happen, but they're literally, I think under the cap right now, <laughs> according to over the cap.com uh, or they are over the cap, excuse me, according to over the cap.com. Uh, here are the teams that as of now look like they could fit Julio Jones under you. Tell me which one of these teams would make it happen. Panthers, Patriots, 49ers, Lions, Chargers, Colts, Washington, Browns, Broncos, Bengals, Jets, Jaguars. How about two that we haven't mentioned the Chargers 
And what about the Browns? I mean, the Browns are all in. One more receiver in the mix. Makes some sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, some of those teams have to pay Baker Mayfield, and, you know, they have some things on the horizon. And how much better does Julio make them? And, like, you might, if you're the Browns, you're in week 15. And Odell and Julio are both hurt, you know? <laughs> no, I know. I mean, if you're all in, I could see it. Yeah. Baltimore's been thrown around. I can't see that. I don't think Cleveland's a great destination. I just haven't mentioned them before. Chargers, to me, would Chargers? make some sense. Yeah, Chargers is interesting. Kind of an all-in move, trying to steal some spotlight there in L.A. But, yeah, Patriots, 49ers, Colts. And, Colts. and probably Patriots and Colts, now that I look at it. Uh, I would probably put... The top Niners three, and probably a gap before the next team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm sure your your Niner fans would love to add Julio Jones, and he'd be welcome on any team. I I, I just think that Debo and Ayuk are great. I think <laughs> they know? are. I mean, but yeah, Debo's had his own injuries. They have like they're it's wide open for wide receiver three, and the 49ers don't go three yeah. wide very often. I just know how aggressive the front office has been. And that Kyle loves his former players, and he's had he had so much success sure. with Julio, and what Julio could do that veteran receiver for his new young quarterback that he's going to try to break in over the course of the next couple of years. So uh, the aggressiveness of that team, I could see them doing it. The problem is, is I don't know what you're offering because of again the cap. They're obviously trying to get out. For, like, is it just a straight up? salary dump at this point for a team so could they could could one of these teams cons- I bet they get a second for him like uh, would it would it even be a conditional second where it's like okay a third and he has to play eight or ten games then it becomes a second maybe uh, I mean that's close enough in my opinion but with three or four teams potentially interested someone's gonna say just take my second and we're gonna it's gonna be late because we're gonna win a lot of games right. yeah and so for the 49ers it hurts because they already don't have their first for the next two years so that's why right. Colts Patriots I think would have to be one and two in this I agree. I agree, and I'd be I'd condone it for both teams. I love it. I, I I would love it for any of those teams. If if you're trying to go for it, then go for it. It could absolutely turn out poor for you, but as long as you're not giving up a, a, a first round picks, then I think it starts to make sense because then it's a calculated risk and it would make sense for your team. But you can't give up a ton in trade because of the injury history for Julio at his age. You just can't. No, I, I do agree with that. But if you get ten games and he's healthy for the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. Enough about Julio. <laughs> There's probably going to be a news story about Julio every day until he's traded now. But uh, that was wild to see hearing that go live over the air. And I don't think Julio knew that was live. So uh, he might <laughs> he might lose Shannon Sharp's number. I don't blame him. Let's talk interior offensive linemen next. Matt Williamson's top twenty five. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. I know personally Credit Karma has done a huge amount to help tracking my credit score, really helped me build that up, helped me when I was purchasing a home. I'm seeing that continue to skyrocket, and I love checking Credit Karma to see how high my credit score has gotten. But now they can help you even more. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Right now, visit Credit Karma 
slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, Matt, let's count them up. 25 to number one. What would you rank the difficulty of ranking these offensive linemen versus wide receivers where there's so many, tight ends where there's so few, some of the other position groups we've talked about so far this off season. Yeah. I mean, he had three positions, you know, two guards and a center to pick from, you know, on a, every respective team times 32. So narrowing down to 25, wasn't super difficult. Tight ends was harder in that regard, but of course this isn't the flashiest conversation in the world. And we'll probably buzz through these a lot quicker than running backs or wide receivers. Cause you know, there's not a ton to this, you know, decipher between the 25th guy and the 19th guy. And there's no stats and, Nobody's watching the highlight tapes of, you know, uh, Roger Saffold polling and things like that, you know. So uh, let's just kind of buzz through it. And I, But I do want these names to be recognized. They're really good at what they do. A new face in a new place, Gabe Jackson, now with the Seattle Seahawks coming in at number 25. He would be a top five, top 10 guy for sure on this list just not very long ago. Yeah, and he's going to be one of two Raiders that were Raiders last year and aren't anymore on this list. I wonder if he's declining, but I think he's a, a nice pickup for Seattle. Better in protection than you'd look. I mean, some of these guards that are built like guards, uh, he's kind of the poster child for that, but still pretty good in protection. Coming in at number 24, Ryan Jensen, the center from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it's it's interesting how centers and guards will rank for you on this list. And if there's a criteria for the centers being more valuable because maybe they have more responsibilities, Colin, stuff at the line of scrimmage or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think it's more difficult mentally, obviously, but um, Jensen, to me, stands out for his nastiness. I mean, he's no fun to play against. I mean, he, he is a, I don't want to say he's a dirty player, but he's a nasty player. An up-and-coming player that I actually saw a little bit of recently, and I hadn't watched him a lot since he came out in the draft, but Elkton Jenkins for the Green Bay Packers is a really nice player. He really is, and... There's another guy a little bit further down the list at 20, Eric McCoy from the Saints. I thought Jenkins and McCoy are both pretty similar. They both could play guard or center coming out of school. They both got inserted right into the lineup and have done really well. Foundational interior players on their first contract for their, you know, and won a lot of games in this league. It's the curse of drafting high in the NFL draft a lot of times because you're chasing these superstar players and hitting missed quarterbacks and drafting wide receivers and you end up busting on this this high end talent and then good teams sit there at the end of the draft uh, like the Packers and the Saints and then late round one and in round two and can just swoop up these 10 year starting interior offensive lineman and keep winning and and yeah. it's like once you've got that quarterback you can go find these values in great players like Elkton Jenkins and Eric McCoy and uh, it's it's pretty amazing to watch really good teams add really good offensive linemen outside of the top of the draft while the teams at the top of the draft are chasing these important positions and they can't get into that situation where they're good at those positions so they can build the rest of their team and get some value and some cheap players that are that are really high level contributors for a long time like on the interior offensive line yeah and in the and in reality Teams at the top of the draft that are hurting and need things and have massive holes are overspending on tackles and edge pass rushers where 
the smart teams that that have a foundation are probably underspending for really quality long-term starting interior offensive linemen. Skipped a couple names here. Roger Saffold for the Titans at 22. Cody Whitehair, Bears center at 21. So uh, for those at home, let's go through this again because we kind of jumped around. 25, Gabe Jackson, 24, Ryan Jensen, 23, Elkton Jenkins, 22, Roger Saffold, 21, Cody Whitehair, and 20, Eric McCoy, center for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Let's move into this top 20 unless you have any more thoughts there. So I want to talk about Ryan Kelly, number 19 for you, center for the Colts, and... Jason Kelsey, center for the Philadelphia Eagles at 18. Yeah, I have two really good centers now that have stood the test of time, especially Kelsey. I think Kelsey's right in that conversation with Alex Mack, who didn't make this list at his age, uh, Marquise Pouncey, who just retired, as you know, Hudson, who's going to come up as in conversation for best center over the last decade or so, and really unique. We know about his brother, but he's an unbelievable mover for the center position. Kelly's just been real solid. First-round pick, been good. I don't have a lot of complaints with him. Uh, you know, A foundational player on a really good line. I thought Ryan Kelly is one of the easiest draft picks in a long time. Maybe hasn't lived up to the billing of when you're drafted that high as a center. Sure. You want to be like the guy and not the 19th best center in the league. But he's been really good and just rock solid for the Colts. So I'm sure they, they're not upset about that draft pick because they hit on him. A good player, but he hasn't been the difference-making type of center that maybe you thought he was going to be coming out of college. One Carson Wentz notes with the Colts that I, I kind of knew but uncovered when I did this project was – the Colts allowed the second fewest snaps or sacks in the league last year, where I didn't realize this. The Eagles not only le- led the league in sacks allowed, but by 15 sacks. Like, uh, uh, I mean, some of that's on Wentz, don't get me wrong, but he's going to a much different environment in terms of sacks allowed. Oh, yeah, and there's another first-round interior offensive lineman that will that will come up here, I think, in a little while. I think in a long while. He's going to be a while before you mention his name on that same offensive line playing next to Ryan Kelly there with the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely. These next two on the list, I think we could probably lump together, too. I mean, Kevin Zeitler, David DeCastro, they both came in the league about the same time, have had really good careers. DeCastro's never left the Steelers. Zeitler's already on his fourth team, but three of them are AFC North teams, which I think is kind of funny. Both have been, both are at pivotal stages, though. Are they declining? You know, I mean, where are they in their careers? But they've had really good careers. Man, what year was David DeCastro drafted? Because I remember him coming out of Stanford and it was like the most obvious, sort of like what I was talking about with Ryan, uh, Ryan Kelly a minute ago. It's just like, this dude is a stud. Plug him in, yeah. starter day one, one of the easiest draft picks you have to make. Yeah. And I, I forget which year it is, but um, that's, that's your perfect conversation before about. A good team probably gets the eighth best player in the draft, but because he's a guard, they get him at 20 or something like that, and he's been good ever since. Let's see here. David DeCastro is 31 years old, was the 24th pick in 2012 for the Steelers. Okay. And he's really the only remaining incumbent from those Steeler lines. Though when the wave is gone, I mentioned Pouncey's gone. Ramon Foster left last year. So he's like the old man now. And 10 years, like he could play for a while still. 10 years, I was thinking maybe he was even older than that. No, he's been good. Number 15, Shaq Mason, guard for the New England Patriots, part of that no-name offensive line that they always seem to put together a really good squad in New England up front. Shaq Mason's the newest guy where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. And where did he come from? I don't know, but he's balling out. 
it, like Kelsey, he's a little unconventional though. He's short. He has very little fat on his body. You know, I mean, he's not a big chubby guard. Explodes off the ball. If you remember, he came out of Georgia Tech and they ran the ball every snap basically at Georgia Tech. So he's never been great in protection, but boy, the, the Patriots have got a lot out of this guy. Isaiah Wynn, a lot of weird shaped guys actually yeah, with the yeah. New England Patriots. Isaiah Wynn, who everyone thought, oh, well, he's going to be a, a guard because he's a little bit shorter, but he's super athletic and really good. He was sort of the uh, Elijah Vera Tucker of that draft when they selected him in 2018 in the first round. David Andrews, really interesting offensive line. Then you have the opposite. Trent Brown, who's like the biggest guy in the NFL at right tackle. <laughs> right, right. No, it is an interesting one. And I wonder if he'll be on, on my tackle list. I need to dig into that. Tackle list coming up later on in the week. We're going to have a, a, a mock fantasy draft, I think Matt and I will, going back and forth, drafting for multiple teams. I think will be a fun exercise to do as well on this show coming up. Of course, plus tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday episode. Tag us at BD Peacock and at Williamson NFL and We'll finish up the top 15 of Matt Williamson's top interior offensive linemen next, 14 through number one coming up. Got a new diet, trying to get back into shape, and something that always fits into any diet I'm trying to do can give me energy throughout the day, can be a little snack, can be a meal replacement if I need it to be, high in protein, low in sugar, that's the key. It's what you're looking for in a healthy snack, and you can find them at BuiltBar.com. High protein, low sugar, low calorie snack you can feel good about and taste fantastic. No skimping on flavor when it comes to Built Bars. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors... Build yourself a box of Built Bars or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Jacksonville Jaguars make an appearance on your top 25 interior offensive lineman at number 14, center Brandon Linder. After him at 13, Rodney Hudson, center for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and every time I do these lists, I always regret, like any list, you come back and look at the 10th time and be like, I should move somebody around. I think Hudson should probably be a little higher on this list. Linder doesn't get any credit, but he's a couple of these centers. Cody Whitehair is up there before where I think it's great for Lawrence to come into a good center in front of him, for Fields to come in with a good center in front of him. If Linder was on a different team, people would realize he's a very, very good player. Hudson's been awesome. I mentioned him earlier with Mac and these guys as one of the best centers this generation. I don't understand why the Raiders would move on for him, but he's going to be really good for Kyler as well. Really heady, great in protection. I, I still think he's a high, high-quality guy, but getting up in age, I mean, that's why I originally had him this low, but I think I'd have him a little higher. I don't know what the Raiders are doing, to be honest that's with you. That's so weird. It was a very strange offseason with the offensive line, and I don't know how you can be better with what they did which makes Derek Carr worse which makes the whole team worse 
I would think, and the running game. Like I, I'm not sure what the plan is there. It's hard to see it, but maybe uh, you know, maybe we'll see it come September. But right now, I'm not seeing it for the the Las Vegas. I wanted to call them Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders up front. Rodney Hudson coming in at 13. It's hard for me to put him higher because the next center on the list is at number nine, Frank. Ragnow? I'm not putting Hudson in front of Ragnow. He's one of my favorite. Uh, we're yeah. going to go back to the guards in between uh, 13 and 9, but Frank Ragnow is one of my favorite young offensive linemen in the NFL. The guy's a stud. Yeah, he's a stud, and he's really coming into his prime. Uh, the Lions just gave him a big contract, drafted Penny Sewell. They're going to be the two building blocks, the the mangled and the Brickishaw Ferguson, you know, or, you know, uh, their line's pretty darn good. And they have two studs now out of their front five. And the rest of the group isn't bad either. Ragnall's should be a should be the foundation of that team in some regards. So the guards, there's three guards we skipped between Rodney Hudson at 13 and Frank Ragnall at nine. And all of these teams, this is the second player showing up from these offensive lines. Brandon Brooks guard for the Philadelphia Eagles, Ali Marpet guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Michael Nwenu the guard for the New England Patriots. Yeah, and Nwenu kind of came out of nowhere as a rookie last year. He was a tackle we mentioned um that they're shuffling their line around. He's going to move into guard uh to pair with Mason and I think he's better suited for that, but he was really good at tackle as a rookie. Uh, Mark Pett's been awesome. I mean, the, the kind of thing I wrote up about him is, you know, he's sort of the poster boy for taking a chance on these tiny colleges. You know, he's been dominant basically since he stepped on the college field. And uh, maybe Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater can use this guy as an example. And Brandon Brooks was a tough guy to rank because a year ago he might have been in my top five here, but missed all last year. He's had some injury concerns. Part of the reason that Eagles line is allowing so many sacks is no Brandon Brooks. We talk a lot about about the, uh, the magic of the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting wide receivers, and I think it's time to start considering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their offensive linemen. Tristan Wirfs, a home run that they moved up one spot to secure last year, is looking like one of the stud tackles for the next decade in the NFL. Ali Marpet, uh, Alex Kappa was a really nice find. Another small school guy out of, uh, was it Humble? Where did Alex Kappa yeah, come yeah. from? Yeah. Uh, third rounder in 2018, Donovan Smith and the free agent Ryan Jensen there in the middle. Like, fantastic job of building your offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to have to pay some guys uh, coming up, which might th- make things difficult at some point in the next few years. But uh, fantastic job drafting and developing offensive linemen. Without question. And again, I haven't given this any thought, but Worfs is going to be very high on my tackle list. Number eight, Joe Tooney. Going from the New England Patriots to the Kansas City Chiefs. They paid him quite a bit of money there, but uh, he's obviously he's been one of the, the top guards in the NFL since he came into the league. And he fits in well. He's better in protection. I think he can play tackle in a pinch. I mean, he's that good of a protector. Um, not that he's bad in the run game. He was piece number one of rebuilding this offensive line. And when it was all said and done, I think the Chiefs did an amazing job to turn a weakness into a strength. In fact, now that I think about it, Eight feels low for Joe Tooney. I bet there's a lot of a listeners that are like, okay, I'm interested in who the top seven are. If, if Joe Tooney's all the way down at number eight, at number seven, you've got J.C. Treader, the center for the Browns. Talk about him because I don't think he's well, a household name. I, I think what we need to do here is I put three Browns together. I put Treader at seven, Batonio at six, and Teller at five. Ooh. So that's pretty strong praise for the interior of the Browns offensive line. When you have three of the top seven, 
Maybe I should have put Tooney ahead of those three. I lumped the three of them in together on purpose. I cheated a little bit because when they're all playing shoulder to shoulder, it can be a little difficult to say, boy, this guy's a lot better than this guy. A lot. I think they're all on the same tier. Teller's just a masher. Betonia, and you know, you would think, wow, I mean, the three of these guys are instrumental in this great Browns running game, and they absolutely are. But Treader and Betonio are also really good in protection. So I, I just think that interior group for Cleveland needs to get some credit. And you mentioned how Tampa built their line. How about how the Browns built their line and then paid uh, the right tackle for, you know, from Tennessee and then drafted Werfs, who was my favorite tackle coming out a year ago. I mean, uh, th- this line's really, really good. Uh, Wills. Wills, Wills. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I got the bad. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I get what you're saying there. I mean, the Browns offensive line. I mean, and one thing when you go through these lists, you realize that a lot of teams have secret superstars on the offensive line that don't get a lot of credit. So I'm glad we're talking about some of these guys and naming names because you're not playing them on your fantasy football team. And so uh, they deserve a lot more recognition than they get. Yeah. And Brown's interior is a perfect example of that. I'm sure there's some people out there say, who's JC Treddy, Treader, Joel Batonio, and Wyatt Teller? Well, they're three <laughs> of the best in the business, and they line up next to each other. Absolutely. Brandon Scherf coming in at number four for you for the Washington football team. Been doing it at a high level for a very long time. These top four, to me, I think are pretty much elite. And I'll bring this up again at number one, but I think Scherf's been great. I mean, they keep franchising him. And they still don't mind, you know, it lived up to the early round pick tackle turned guard, which is going to be something you see a lot. You know, a couple of these guys were tackles in college and great guards, uh, really, really good football player. And I don't think he gets the credit he's deserved throughout a great career either. I'm actually starting to now that I look at this, think, OK, you might be onto something drafting a tackle, moving him to guard because. Mm-hmm. At least half of these guards are former tackles that have kicked inside to guard, that were at least tackles in college. Some of them played a little tackle in the NFL, too. And um, that might, and, and that's where college teams are putting their best athletes on the offensive line, right? At left tackle. So kick them in the left yep. guard in the NFL, and you got something. And, and we're definitely seeing a trend there. Without question. And the, the second guy on this list comes up with is the same uh, model there. And it's just so many awesome interior pass rushers. You need those tackle traits to deal with Chris Jones and DeForest Buckner and let alone Aaron Donald. Is there some overratedness to the highlights that Quentin Nelson is putting out there and putting people on their back and everyone loves him and how high he was drafted? He's your number one guy. So we talked about Scherf there at four. Number three is Corey Lindsley, free agent signee for the Los Angeles Chargers at center. Zach Martin, who you just mentioned, left tackle, turned to guard. For the Dallas Cowboys, who's been one of the better guards in the awesome. league since yeah. he came in the league until Quentin Nelson came in and usurped him as the top guard in the NFL, number one, no surprise, Quentin Nelson guard for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. I made him number one. Um, if I had any offensive lineman in the league to build around, he might be my pick. And even, even knowing that guards are the least important of the group, he's phenomenal. I just don't think that the league has a elite, I mean, elite offensive lineman right now. I mean, and what I mean by that is when I was with the Browns, I was in charge of watching the NFC West. I I was the pro scout for the NFC West. I watched every snap of Walter Jones and Orlando Pace, and they won every snap. I mean, like teams just gave, and pass rushers gave up against those guys. I mean, as great as Quentin Nelson is, he's not Larry Allen or Steve Hutchinson. I mean, he's probably the best offensive lineman in the league, 
But the league does not have all-time great linemen right now, in my opinion. I here's, mean, there's no Ogdens, and you know. Here's my question, and we're seeing that with shutdown corners in the NFL too. Is it because the talent across from them is too good? Say Quentin Nelson yeah, was put back is. in 1999. Would he be at that level? Maybe, but unlike corners, I say this a lot. The discrepancy in talent between defensive linemen and offensive linemen is the greatest in anywhere that I've ever seen or the greatest on the field in any given Sunday. The second greatest is wide receivers over corners. But the difference is the league wants offense, so they keep making the rules tougher on corners and easier on offensive linemen. You know, holding was legal this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's No, it's a good point, yeah. And uh, it, the offense controls the ball, obviously, so you can scheme away from great corners, scheme away from great, um, yeah. you know, defensive ends if the other side is, you know, a swinging gate. So that's a big part of it, too, for protecting your offensive players. Makes things a lot easier. It's definitely the game is skewed in that direction. It is. And in in the passing game, corners and offensive linemen are both reactionary positions trying to react to elite athletes mm-hmm. that have a plan. Interesting. I, just, yeah, I really think the style of play and, and how good the players are that these offensive linemen and corners are going against, I think, is a, is a big part of why. And maybe we'll never see again that level of, you know, Deion Sanders and um, Walter Jones. Larry Allen, I, I think it was a, a different era, and I, I don't know if we'll ever see those level of players again because the game won't allow it. I, I say this all the time, and I think it is a problem that doesn't get addressed enough is the defensive line is so much better than the offensive line, even lower-end defensive lines against the Browns or the Colts or some of the best offensive lines aren't ma- major mismatches in the offense's favor. So they allow holding the, the the passing game. You don't see seven step drops anymore. I mean, it, it's a bigger deal, and I don't think people talk about it enough. So I bring it up all the time. So technically sound. We've talked about all these small school guys, and, and these guys are coached up from the time that they're knee high to have this crazy technique in seven on seven leagues for wide receivers. The mm-hmm. the technique of pass rushers and especially wide receivers coming into the league is at a crazy all time high. Like it, it, it's pretty amazing how much better prepared players are. And I think quarterbacks, and I think that's why we're seeing quarterbacks play a lot earlier than they used to. You used to have to sit for three years, period. Yeah. They're all very good points. Uh, back to the big men real quick. Like if you compare even just combine results for offensive linemen from now to 10 years ago, they're obviously better. I mean, of course, the the league is evolving at all positions. There's better athletes coming to the league offensive line wise than there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But if you compare the defensive linemen from 10 years ago and 20 years ago at the combine numbers, they blow it out the window. I mean, they just blow it out the door. I mean, everyone's running four fives at 270 pounds. Mm -hmm. All right, good stuff. That is Matt Williamson's top 25 interior offensive lineman heading into the 2021 season. You can get mad at him at Williamson NFL. You can tag me too at BD Peacock and get those questions in for tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday right here. Peacock and Williamson.